The gospel reading for this morning comes from Matthew's gospel, beginning in the 25th chapter at the 14th verse. Matthew wrote these things, Jesus speaking. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000, to another 2000 to a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. And right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. Well, after a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well, from now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment, and his master commended him, good work, you did your job well, from now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error, so I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money, and here it is, safe and sound, down to the very last cent. And the master was furious. Well, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best... Why did you do less than the best, less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Now take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O Lord, where there is violence, let there be peace. Where there is imbalance, let there be equity. Where there is pain and sorrow, let there be rest. Where there is clamor and dispute, let there be reconciliation. Hear this prayer and open us up to hear your word for us this day. Amen. On the window of a restaurant of a small town, there was a sign that read like this. Wanted. A man to wash dishes and two waitresses. Now, the longer the men of the town thought about that sign, the more they thought that might just be an interesting job. The advancement opportunities might not be too great, and the pay probably stinks, but... Now, the people who wrote out that sign, I'm sure, thought that they were being perfectly clear. They thought that they were saying exactly what they meant to say, but I think if we think about it, we can easily see that there was a lot of room for misunderstanding in what they actually wrote. Amanda washed dishes and two waitresses. Well, Jesus must have thought that he was being perfectly clear, too. In this section of Matthew's Gospel, we find Jesus warning, Stay on your toes now. Keep alert. 
You don't know when the master will come. You don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows except God. And in spite of the fact that these words spoken by Jesus are in the Bible, in some Bibles they're probably even in red letters, some folks think that to this very day, that somehow they know the day and the hour when Jesus is coming on back. And usually it's soon and very soon, according to their thinking and their interpretation of prophecy. Now in the parable before us today, Jesus finds yet another way of restating his warning by telling the disciples how they should behave while they wait for his return. There was a man, said Jesus, who was about to take a trip, and apparently it was going to be an extended trip because before he left, the man called his servants in and divided up his money between the three of them. Now in the NRSV, which of in which I usually work, the word is talents. So to the one servant, he gave five talents, which was a large sum of money. To another, two talents. To the third, one talent, each according to his ability, Jesus says. When the man returned from his trip, the first servant reported that he had invested the money wisely and well, and it had earned an additional five talents. Likewise, The second servant was able to return twice the amount which he had been entrusted, and the master was very pleased with these two investors, and he rewarded them handsomely. And then the third servant made his report. And knowing what a taskmaster that his master was, and afraid to lose any of the money that had been placed in his keeping, he had buried his talent in the ground for safekeeping. And the master was most unhappy with investor number three. He took the one talent away and ordered the lazy servant to be cast out into the utter darkness forever. So perhaps this tale is a sharp reminder that we are not measured by what we have to begin with, but rather by what we do with what we have. The story tells us that God has given each and every one of us at least one talent, a gift to be used for the work of the kingdom. Not everyone has more than one gift, but we all have at least one gift to be used for the glory of God. Now, Some folks feel that since they don't have one of those major dramatic gifts that someone else might have, it's okay for them to just sit back and do nothing but just guard this one gift of theirs. They point at the five-gift person and they say, well, if I had as much money as she has, or if I had as much musical ability as he has, and so forth, and you know how it goes. Jesus points to the one-talent person, saying that that person has just as much responsibility to serve God according to their ability as the five-talent person does. Now, the trouble is that ordinary people tend to hide behind their ordinariness. Commonly, it is not the five-talent people who bury their talents, but the one-talent people, discovering that they don't have five and maybe feeling a little bit inadequate and intimidated. They are the ones who bury the one talent that they do have because they figure that they can't do much and what they do won't matter anyway. So they do nothing. Well, I've got to tell you, to be honest with you, 
I almost wish that there was a fourth servant in this story this morning. The one who went out like the first two and invested what he had received from the master and then just lost it all. I imagine he would come back and say, well, boss, it's like this. It seemed like such a sure thing. Everyone at the investment house said it was money in the bank. I was as careful as I could be. But things, well, they didn't quite work out the way that I had planned. So I'm afraid all that I have to offer you back is a sincere apology. Now, what do you think Jesus would have the master say about that? Do you know the same Jesus that I know this morning? The one who's always lifting up the failures of the world, displaying compassion for the losers? What would he say? We must also remember that God does not give us all the same gifts, thank God, so that each of us has our own unique talent to offer to the church. Now, some can teach and some can fix things that get broken. Some can set beautiful tables and some can make tasty pies and cakes. Remember to pick yours up. <laughs> some can sing or play an instrument. And if you can't do any of those things, well, maybe you can preach. The church ought to be the kind of place where people's gifts are discovered, celebrated, developed, and enjoyed for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. An adult Sunday school class was studying this story, and the teacher asked if anyone in the class could sum up this parable in a few words. And one elderly gentleman chuckled, and he raised his hand, and he said, sure. Them that has, gets. That's what it means. And maybe in a way he's right. But there's one addition that I would make to that, providing that what they have they use to the glory of God. Them that has gets, providing we use what we have to the glory of God. And what we don't use, we lose. I read somewhere that a man in upstate New York some years ago was afraid that as he grew older he would lose his eyesight. So he kept one eye covered up with a patch all the time, and he never used it. And sure enough, he was right. Eventually, he did lose sight in one of his eyes, the one that he kept covered and never used. Don't you wonder why Jesus would choose to tell the story this way? Picking on the poor, the timid, the one-talent servant? Why wasn't it the five-talent servant who hid his money? He certainly had a lot more to lose, after all. A talent was a lot of money, and he had five of them. I really think that Jesus, true to life as usual, just wants to point out the responsibility of ordinary folks. That's what most of us are, you know. And I don't mean that as a put-down in any way. For every five-talent person, there are hundreds of ordinary one-talent people. And Jesus reminds us that ordinary folks, that uh, God doesn't just call superstars for service in the kingdom. God calls and meets each and every one of us and expects us to use our gifts 
no matter how small or insignificant we might think those gifts are. Use what you've been given. What you see is what you get to work with. In fact, you know, some of God's best work down through time has been done by ordinary folk. People like Moses, Peter, Mary, a small boy with a small lunch. But the thing that all these folks had in common was that they were willing to allow God to use the gifts that they had been given. And when we are willing to risk everything for the kingdom of God, to allow God to make use of our talents, we find that the return on our investment isn't money, but it's people. Investing ourselves in the lives of others, getting interest in human terms, is what the church at its best is all about. That, folks, is our business. And when we invest the gifts that God has given us and risk talking to someone about Jesus and the impact that he has had on our lives, or when we serve someone who could never on earth repay us, then we realize that the talent that's been given to us is not for ourselves, but for others. And when we use the good things we have for the glory of God, for someone else's benefit, we find out why we were given the talent in the first place. God is concerned about each and every one of us, about what kind of person we are becoming, what we are making out of the life that we have been given. And when at last we stand before the throne of grace to offer back what we have been given, God probably won't ask, how many talents did you have? But now, child, just what did you do with what I gave to you? To God be the glory. Amen.